What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And ladies and gentlemen, I know what y'all are thinking. Booch, it is fucking late Thursday, early Friday at the time that I am listening to this. Why in the name of Christ did it take you this long to do an NXT recap. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't give the exact reasons because I like I, there are aspects of my life I like to keep private. I know that sounds weird, 
But let me just say this. The Booch has been through a clusterfuck cavalcade of bullshit over the past week and especially over the last couple days. So I am sorry for being late on the NXT recaps, but at least I'm getting them done. I at least got TakeOver out to you guys. I had to cram it together with SummerSlam, but I made it happen. So now I am here to talk about the last two weeks of NXT. That's why. That's right. If you saw the uh, the title up there, it says NXT Recaps. August 24th and August 31st, I'm going to be talking about both shows on this episode. And of course, I have the segments broken down. So if you just want to hear my thoughts on this most recent Tuesday, you can fast forward to that. But I feel like I have to talk about both in order to get an understanding of just what exactly is fucking going on. Now, if you listen to the episode that came out earlier this week with me and Elvis, you have a little bit of an idea of how we feel about NXT, or at least how I feel about NXT and the direction that it's going. So I'm not going to really talk about that on this particular episode. I'm just here to talk about the shows, the matches, the segments. That's what I'm here to talk about. But if you want to hear what's been going down with NXT, like releases and the new logo and all that shit, go check out the episode. Finally, Elvis has come back to the Boochcast And he's gone again. That's the episode um, where Elvis and I got back together. I threw some NXT talk in there because, you know, we needed some topics. And that's what we got into. So now I'm going to jump right on in to August 24th. That's what we're going to be talking about here. And the show opens up. This is, of course, the fallout from NXT TakeOver 36. And we see Cameron Grimes and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, arrive in a limo. Grimes and DiBiase make their way into the arena. They are now in the ring. DiBiase says he came here looking for that special someone who can carry on the legacy of the Million Dollar Man. DiBiase says quitters never win and winners never quit. Grimes has heart, and that is why he is the Million Dollar Champion. Grimes says when DiBiase first arrived, he drove him nuts. DiBiase says he was testing Grimes. Grimes thanked DiBiase for the test. Grimes said there was no way he was going to allow L.A. Knight to make DiBiase his butler. Grimes asked where they should go now. DiBiase says, to the moon. Money cannons go off in the arena. The Bills have Grimes' face on them. And basically, we have this big, huge Mondo celebration in the ring with Cameron Grimes as the Million Dollar Champion. And I will say it was a great segment. And I like the fact that they addressed that Grimes didn't like DiBiase at first. Because I did find it weird that all of a sudden, Grimes and DiBiase went from not liking each other to suddenly liking each other. And Grimes, somewhere out of this, in the midst of this whole feud, went from being heel to babyface very quickly. So I like the fact that there was continuity, and they addressed that. Because I feel like if you hadn't addressed that elephant in the room, it would have just been confusing as the show progressed. Now, maybe there might be some wrestling fans out there who didn't give a shit, but the analysts like myself, that would have bothered us to not hear some type of conclusion for that or to DiBiase justify why, okay, I didn't like you before, I suddenly like you now. There's got to be some kind of fucking reason. Otherwise, it's weird. So overall, great segment. I look forward to seeing what Cameron Grimes will do with the million-dollar title, although I do have a feeling I don't. it's not going to really be noticeable anymore. I don't feel like Cameron Grimes is going to put as much attention on this belt, and I feel like it's going to be just... I don't think it's going to be a title that actually gets defended. I feel like it's just going to be a prop for Cameron Grimes. I don't see this being a belt that we're going to see defended at a takeover in the future. 
And on that note, we see Hit Row arriving backstage. And then we cut to our first official match of the evening. Ridge Holland with Pete Dunne versus Timothy Thatcher with Tommaso Ciampa. This was a brutal fucking match. Now, was it as brutal as the NXT UK Championship match at TakeOver? Absolutely not. But it was brutal for what these two can do. Because Ridge Holland is definitely a badass motherfucker. Timothy Thatcher is very much a submission specialist. So these two styles combining together worked for a great TV match. And that's basically what it was. A great TV match. These two really had good chemistry in the ring. The back and forth action was great. Uh, Ridge Holland hits a snowplow for the win. And he deserved to win this match because Ridge Holland is, you know, still kind of coming back from being injured and being gone for a long time. So he definitely needs to rebuild his reputation as being a badass motherfucker. So it made sense for Ridge Holland to get the win here. He needed it. And then, of course, after the match, uh, Holland tries to attack Thatcher, but Ciampa makes the save. Dunn tries to get involved, but is quickly taken out by Ciampa. All of a sudden, Oni Lorcan attacks, and then all of a sudden we see Danny Birch, who's been out of action with an injury. He just shows up, and uh, I wish, kind of wish we had a more... Um, more of a seriousness on the return. I felt like it was just a return that was there. It didn't really do anything. It was just like, meh. Like the, I, I don't feel like there was as much emphasis on the fact that, holy shit, Danny Burch is back. I felt like they could have put more oomph into that, more drama, more excitement. Instead, it was just, meh. So they attack Thatcher outside the ring. Rollins hits Thatcher with a club. Kind of hits him in the throat. They go to break his arm, but he fights out of that. So that's when he hits him in the throat. And basically, Thatcher seems to be incapacitated, uh, as we, uh, which I'll mention more about that. I think as we go along in the in the uh, the show. So I feel like we'll know more about that. But Thatcher definitely got his ass whooped afterwards. Uh, This is a great moment for Ridge Holland, and I like the fact that Danny Burch is back because now we can establish this four man faction again which basically became a four-man faction since uh, you know Pat McAfee's no longer on NXT. He's now a commentator on SmackDown. So Ridge Holland is the perfect person to fill that void. Now, Pete Dunne is still very much the new leader of this group, but I'm liking what I see from the new faction that's four-man. It's a four-man team, and I'll talk more about that later, about why it's important that there's a four-man team going on right now. And on that note, we go to a backstage interview. We see Carmelo Hayes, who says tonight is a big opportunity for him. He's competing for the title match of his choice. No one else can say that. Hayes doesn't believe himself to be an underdog. If anything, he's the overdog. Anyone who says this is too much, too soon, doesn't understand how much work he put into this. Hayes put over his opponent tonight, Odyssey Jones. Hayes is the end of the road. You'll see him with championship gold. And I liked this promo from Carmelo Hayes. Uh, any, if you've been following uh, me talking about the NXT uh, breakout tournament, you know Carmelo Hayes is my favorite of the group. I love his personality. I love the fact that he is badass. I like his in-ring style. Uh, this guy is definitely a future NXT champion. And if he decides to go for the NXT title, he's so charismatic, I wouldn't be against it. I really wouldn't. Um, Personally, I think he should start somewhere else. But if they decide to put the NXT title on him, I will not have any objections to that. Although I do find it weird that you get the title match of your choice. I think that's kind of stupid. 
uh, as a stipulation because everybody thinks they can be the world champion. Everybody thinks they can be the top guy. So if you have an opportunity for a title match of your choosing, you can choose whichever title you want to go for. If you're not going for the world title, I don't see you as an ambitious wrestler. I really don't. I've always thought that was stupid. You get to choose which belt you want. If you choose anything other than the world title, it's not believable to me. It's really not. Because everybody that goes to NXT should want to be the NXT champion. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the title. And I'm not saying that you know he needs to be champion right now. I'm just saying I think that's a stupid stipulation to put because it doesn't make sense that you can pick any title you want and you choose a mid-card title or a lower-level title. So I, I really do think this is dumb of a stipulation. But either way, I love Carmelo Hayes and look forward to seeing this match. Next, we get to the backstage area with Indy Hartwell, who says she couldn't be happier with her engagement to Dexter Loomis. When Mackenzie asks that they set a date, Loomis hands her an invite that says they are getting married on September 14th, 2021. So that means there's going to be one more episode of NXT, and that's, of course, on September 7th, and then we're going to have the wedding. I'm intrigued to see how this wedding goes because Dexter Loomis doesn't speak. That's the weird part. Dexter Loomis doesn't talk. And what's great about Dexter Loomis is so far, he has had the ability to entertain the crowd without saying anything. He has made this whole segment, this whole storyline work with his inability to speak. He doesn't talk. He doesn't cut promos. But yet he's still entertaining and can still deliver. So I want to know what's going to happen when they have this wedding. Are we finally going to hear Dexter speak for the first time and the first words out of his mouth are, I do? Or is he going to be holding up a sign saying, I do? Now, here's my question. I know that this is professional wrestling and wrestling is storyline and this isn't a real wedding. But the key thing in wrestling is to make me believe in what I'm seeing. So I have to believe that this is a real wedding and it has to be conducted as if it was a real wedding. Now, there could be beatdowns and surprises and all the other shit, but the priest has to be, whoever is playing the minister, has to conduct themselves as if they are an actual minister, an actual man of the church performing this ceremony. And I need to know how it's going to work. Because in real life, if you're getting married... I don't think you can hold up a sign and say that says I do and expect that to be valid. Now, unfortunately, my NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin, is still on sabbatical. Uh, You know, he's out planning his wedding, which is supposed to be next month. And unfortunately, he's not here and I can't ask him that question. But I'm sure when he gets back, if this, if, you know, Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell are actually married by that point and are even still together by that point, I hope they are, um, then I can ask John his thoughts on that. Like, uh, believe me, there's a lot of shit going down in NXT that I want to hear John's thoughts on because he is missing a lot of crazy shit. That I do know. But either way, I'm excited for this wedding. I want to see how it unfolds. And I feel like this, this partner, this, um, this couple, this relationship is working out very, very well. And I'm enjoying every second of it. This is very entertaining. And it's great when NXT can do entertaining stuff. 
And on that note, we cut to uh, the backstage area again with Raquel Gonzalez uh, talking about being the uh, still the NXT Women's Champion, knowing that uh, Dakota Kai gave her uh, put up a hell of a fight because she's tough, but Raquel was tougher. Uh, she talked about Kaylee Ray and not being intimidated by the fact that she is uh, was a 600-plus day NXT UK Women's Champion, and if she wants the match, she can have it. But then all of a sudden, Frankie Monet shows up with the Robert Stone brand and basically says her intentions are to become the NXT Women's Champion. She does want to kick her ass and take her title. And Frankie just says, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight up, it's going to happen. You have to worry about me kicking you in the face or stealing your spotlight. I'm going to take everything, including your title. I love that. I love to see Frankie Monet and uh, Raquel Gonzalez go at it. And at this point, if Dakota Kai is not going to win the NXT Women's title, even though I 100% believe she deserved it, I think Frankie Monet should be the one to take it. I do. Because again, who else? Raquel's run through everybody. Somebody credible has to show up. So I believe if it's not Frankie Monet, it's going to be Kaylee Ray. One of those two women is taking this belt. From Raquel. I don't see anybody else taking this belt. I really don't at this point. So somebody's got to do it. And I think Fra I think Frankie Monet is perfect. Because I said before. Most people look at Frankie Monet. And see the Paris Hilton type gimmick. I look at Frankie Monet. And I see Taya Valkyrie. La Huera Loca. I know how great she is. I know how talented she is. And she deserves to be an NXT Women's Champion, no matter what her gimmick is. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane versus Caden Carter and Cassie Cantanzaro. This was a shit match. Why? Because it was quick, to the point, and served no purpose, at least at the time. Uh, there was a bit of back and forth. Then uh, Carter and Canton Zero hit their combo neckbreaker 450 splash finish. They get the one, two, three. They win, which I thought was disgraceful, especially for someone like Gigi Dolan, who is incredibly fucking talented. Uh, I think she's the most talented out of all four women in this fucking match. Uh, so to see them lose like this was hot garbage. But anyway, after that, we cut to the backstage area with Odyssey Jones who says tonight is the biggest match of his career. Jones says his positivity comes from him knowing he has to push through the bad to get to the good. Being in WWE after being in college football is a whole new ball game. He calls himself Odyssey because it's all about his energy. Jones says he doesn't know what the future holds for him. Jones puts over Hayes and says he has to win tonight. So it was okay. I mean, Odyssey Jones, you know, giving a little bit of his backstory I thought was good. Uh, I also liked, you know, it's trying to be a little inspiring. It's a little, it's, it's a very babyface 101 promo that we're getting here. But I also like the fact that he talked a little bit about his backstory because you definitely want a wrestler's backstory in order to get a better understanding of who they are. And it's, 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 it's the easiest form of character development that you can do as a wrestler is giving an idea of who you are and where you're from and what you've been through. And it's especially great if you're going a babyface route, which right now I think everybody in the breakout tournament, they're all pretty much babyfaces until they get told otherwise. Like I'm sure at some point uh, some of these guys might end up being coming heels, you know, and bad guys. And if that's the case, then okay, they can 
proceed accordingly. But for now, the WWE Universe, the NXT Universe, they're getting to know you. So it, it's good. It, it, was a, it was a decent promo. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. Odyssey Jones did what he needed to do for this promo. Obviously, I'm going to need to see more promos from him in the future to find out if he's got the stuff in that department. And then on that note, we have another match of the evening. Our next match, if we even want to call it that, Kaylee Ray versus Valentina Feroz. Answer, we don't want to call it that. This is another squash garbage match. Ray's in total control. Feroz tries to fire up. Ray hits a gory bomb, gets the one, two, three, and Kaylee Ray wins the match, which we all knew was going to happen because she's confronted uh, Raquel Gonzalez, and she was a dominant woman in, in NXT UK. So now they're bringing that dominance back to the NXT states, which they need to do because we do need to see some strong, badass female competitors to go up against the strong, badass women's champion who is dominating the roster. So we need more, we need more badass bitches. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Gigi Dolan and JC Jane being all depressed. And all of a sudden, the centerfold bitch herself, Mandy Rose, comes out and says, if you never want to lose again, join me and never look back. And they basically walk away with her. They follow her. So it looks like Mandy Rose is now building a stable. I don't know what the fuck Mandy's doing here, and I'm still trying to figure out why the fuck she still has a job in WWE. And Mandy Rose has been absolute garbage her entire fucking career. Like I said, it's like I said before and like what Sonya Deville said before. Mandy Rose is nothing more than eye candy. She is a centerfold bitch. She has no talent. The only logical explanation is the fact that because WWE wants to treat NXT like a developmental brand like it did before, that's probably the reason Mandy Rose is back. Maybe they realize, okay... She needs to learn more because on the main roster, she ain't cutting it. And who knows? Maybe she might actually learn some wrist holds. She might actually learn how to fucking wrestle. She might not be a piece of shit in the ring. And maybe then I'll, I won't hate her as much as I do. But either way, I, I hate the fact that Gigi Dolan, who again, we all know is Priscilla Kelly, has to be taken under the wing of Mandy Rose. I hate that. I hate watching someone who is clearly more talented than the other person having to be an underling to the other person. It's fucking pathetic. It's a thing that WWE does a lot. They did it with Daniel Bryan and The Miz when, when The Miz was Daniel Bryan's pro, which was the dumbest shit in the fucking world, and now they're doing this here. This is retarded, and I'm not enjoying it. Gigi deserves better. And on that note, we cut to the in-ring segment with Samoa Joe, the new NXT champion. Joe says he stood across for the ring from the most dominant NXT champion in history and won. Joe was the first ever three-time NXT champion. That should be cause for celebration, but he didn't come dressed to celebrate. Joe knows that being an NXT champion is like being the king of the savages. Joe is here to answer one simple question. Who is man enough to come step to him? The time is now and the champ is waiting. Pete Dunne walks to the ring. Dunn tells Joe to go to his Matt Regal and get the match made. L.A. Knight joins the fray. Knight says, you know, he comes out, if you got enough tingle in your loins, you're looking at the next NXT champion because whose game is it? It's L.A. Knight's game. So he wants a shot at Joe. Uh, Pete Dunn threatens to break his fingers if he gets in the ring. Kyle O'Reilly walks out on the stage and says he deserves a title match and, and then says that uh, L.A. Knight 
is wearing a Stone Cold knockoff vest. And then Ridge Holland attacks O'Reilly from behind. Dunn sneaks up on Joe, but Ciampa appears and takes out Dunn. Holland headbutts Ciampa. Knight tries a sneak attack but gets dusted by Joe. And Ciampa and Joe are left standing in the ring. Now, here's the thing that I found the most intriguing. The fact that in the midst of all of this, also MSK came out. And next thing you know, we see Samoa Joe, Tommaso Ciampa, and MSK standing tall in the ring. Now, I'm thinking to myself, with Timothy Thatcher on the shelf, this could be the four-on-four that we see for War Games. Because keep in mind, in November is NXT TakeOver War Games. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a TakeOver before that or if there's going to be championship matches on the NXT shows leading up to that. But we are having War Games in November. So I'm intrigued to see what the War Games team is going to be. And I feel like Ridge Holland, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch, they're already a four-man team. They need another four-man team to take on. I got a good feeling... Tommaso Ciampa is going to be in that War Games match, but I'm trying to figure out who the other players would be. Because at this point, it looks like if Timothy Thatcher is incapacitated, unless he's able to come back and he's not fully like injured, like kayfabe injured, then he might be the second guy. I know Kyle O'Reilly might be in that group. Uh, would MSK join the fray as well? I don't know. Or would it be Samoa Joe? Would it be Joe and Thatcher and Ciampa and O'Reilly against... This four-man team, I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes. But during the War Games time, I like to look at certain storylines and go, okay, what's going to be the four-on-four when Regal eventually comes out and goes, War Games! So anyway, we cut to the backstage area, and we got Grimes, who tells DiBiase the Million Dollar Championship is DiBiase's legacy, not his. Grimes gives DiBiase the title back. DiBiase gets in his limo. DiBiase tells Grimes he wants Grimes to keep it. DiBiase hands Grimes the title back. Grimes says it feels a little strange. Grimes looks at the back of the title and says, WWE Shop Replica. DiBiase laughs and the limo pulls off, and Grimes frustratedly screams, That damn Ted DiBiase! I love it! I love the fact that Ted DiBiase gave fucking Cameron Grimes a replica belt. And you know what? I'm totally fine with that. Because if I was Ted DiBiase, I wouldn't give the real Million Dollar Championship to him either. That shit would be sitting in my fucking office or my trophy room. That's where that needs to be. So if Cameron Grimes wants to rock around with a replica belt and defend that, that's great. Or if he just wants to hold it to say I'm the Million Dollar Champion and never defend it again, then I'm fine with that. Because to be honest, like I said before... I don't think the Million Dollar Championship is going to be a belt that's going to be defended. Plus, WWE has enough fucking belts already, as I mentioned before. And many people have mentioned before. We cut to the backstage area. We see Duke Hudson, who tries to mock an injured Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly and Hudson get into a scuffle. They are separated by NXT officials. I know O'Reilly, like, slapped Duke, and then Duke just beats the fuck out of him, which I thought was funny, because Kyle O'Reilly looked fucking stupid trying to slap him. It's like, dude... You've got busted fucking kidneys. Why are you trying to fight another person? doesn't mean you're tough. It means you're fucking stupid. But anyway, this is going to lead to something. We'll talk about that later. But now we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the finals of the NXT Breakout Tournament. Carmelo Hayes versus Odyssey Jones. This was a kick-ass fucking match. These were two guys putting on a clinic 
and showing how bad they really want it. These guys threw everything but the kitchen sink at each other. And in the end, Hayes rolls Jones into a crucifix pin for the one, two, three, the winner of the match, Carmelo Hayes. After the match, Hayes chases Jones down to shake his hand. Regal hands Hayes a contract that Hayes can use to face any NXT champion of his choosing. Hayes gives props to Jones and says when he shoots, he don't miss. Again, great promo by Carmelo Hayes. I'm really hoping that when he shoots, he don't miss becomes his catchphrase. I hope that a variation of that will be his catchphrase going forward because it's a great line and no one's used it yet. And also, like I said before, he can face any NXT champion of his choosing. He's a dumbass, and this is not believable if he doesn't pick the NXT champion. Now, it doesn't necessarily say when he has to cash that contract in, but I do believe the NXT title is what he needs to go for. Otherwise, that's going to look stupid. If he goes for any other championship, there damn well better be a storyline reason that makes sense, because if not, then that's fucking dumb. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Again, if we even want to call it that. Boa with Min Ying versus Zion Quinn. And once again, no, we're not calling it that. This was basically uh, Chinese strong style bullshit. I would have said Japanese strong style, but I think they're both Chinese. So uh, I I definitely know Boa is Chinese, but I don't know if Zion is. So I don't want to upset people that apparently can tell the difference between Chinese and Japanese people because I fucking can't and neither can you. I don't give a fuck what you say. But either way, it was, you know, strong style bullshit. Uh, Quinn pins Boa after, you know, after a flying elbow strike and he wins the match. After the match, Quinn starts to walk up the ramp and realizes Ying is standing there. Quinn leaves through the crowd. Smart man. So nothing special there. Backstage, Johnny Gargano asks Regal to cancel Hartwell and Loomis's wedding. Regal says no. Knight bursts into Regal's office and demands a match with Joe. Everyone argues Regal kicks them both out of his office and sa- and calls them buffoons. So that was there. Uh, Johnny Gargano obviously trying to stop the wedding, which is, again, going to be funny because at some point in the wedding, the priest is going to say, is there anybody that objects to this? Please speak now or forever hold your peace. And I know for a fact that Johnny and Candace are going to come out and they're going to have that moment where they're going to try and stop the wedding. So you already know it's coming, but let's see what happens with that wedding. But either way, and as far as um, L.A. Knight wanting a match with Joe, I definitely want to see that match. But here's the thing. I don't want to see that match until they're ready to give the NXT title to L.A. Knight. Because if L.A. Knight and Samoa Joe are going to wrestle for the NXT title... L.A. Knight should be the champion. As I said before, he is the most talented guy on the roster. He has the total package of everything you're looking for in a wrestler. L.A. Knight is it. This is a true badass and a true champion, and I want to see more of him. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. Hit Row versus Legato Del Phantasma. That's right. So we got uh, Isaiah Swerve, Scott, Top Dollar, and, and Adonis versus Santos Escobar, Wild, and Mendoza. B-Fab, of course, is outside the ring, which is further explaining to me that this bitch is a valet because I'm still waiting to see her wrestle. If she is a wrestler, can we put her in the ring, please? So 
Uh, so, of course, this was a great six-man tag. Epic, back and forth. These teams clearly wanted to beat the shit out of each other. But what's the most intriguing is it looks like there's now a fourth member of Legado del Fantasma in the form of Electra Lopez. And if I remember correctly, I think I saw Electra Lopez. Yes, I remember Electra Lopez. This girl was a hot piece of ass. And she was a girl, like her match with her and um, uh, Frankie Monet uh, was a match that I was, I would have happily jerked off to, which I can say now. I couldn't say it at the time because uh, John was on the show and I don't want to speak uh, perverted around John. Not that he can't handle, you know, adult language or anything. It's just that I didn't want to creep him out. But now that he's not here, I can say it. Electra Lopez is fucking hot, and I would jerk off to her every chance I get. She's one of, no doubt, one of the hottest fucking women in NXT. So she shows up, attacks B-Fab, hits her in the gut with a bat. Lopez tosses the bat to Swerve in the ring. The referee questions Swerve. Escobar then rolls Swerve up, gets the one, two, three. Legato del Fantasma wins, and Electra Lopez is now a part of this group, and I like that. Because I know Electra Lopez is definitely a wrestler because she's worked a match or two. Now it's time to find out if B-Fab can wrestle because I'm almost certain, if not on this upcoming NXT, then on one in the future, we are going to see Electra Lopez one-on-one with B-Fab, and then we're finally going to find out if B-Fab can fucking wrestle because she's already great on the mic, and she's already hot as fuck, just like Electra Lopez. So I want to see how talented B-Fab is in the ring. I think her and Electra Lopez could tear the house down. Because Electra Lopez, like I said before, despite the fact that I want to jerk off to her immensely, she is a talented female wrestler on top of that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will include the recap of the August 24th episode of NXT. I'm going to take a short break here, and when I come back, we'll have the recap of this past Tuesday, August 31st here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. I shall return right after this. Chowing down meals of somebody's loved one. I oil up her blades and I clean the blood in my mask. It's full of stitches. Give a big old tug on her strain. I smell a sweet fume when she starts right up. I open up her throttle and I fall in love. Put on a new face and she's still feeling me. I think my chainsaw sexy. Sloppy Joe songs 
Welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song, I Think My Chainsaw Sexy by Leatherface, which, of course, this is a parody song of I Think My Tractor's Sexy. Uh, and this is, of course, a parody done by the Merkins, who are by far one of my favorite YouTube channels on the planet is the Merkins. I'm a huge Huge fan, as everybody knows. I played quite a few of their uh, parody songs here on the Boochcast. I was even inspired at one point to try to create my own horror movie group. But unfortunately, it looks like the Merkins, uh, from a PR standpoint, are going to beat me to it, even though I came up with the idea first. And also, nobody else in the groups in the Boochcast team seems to want to do it. So it's basically just you know an idea floating around until... I can get everybody to get it together and fucking do this thing and we can hopefully beat the Merkins to it. But if we don't, then the Merkins deserve to have it because I don't hate the Merkins. I think they're fantastic. And I know with October coming up uh, next month, I'm really, really hoping for Halloween we get a brand new Slash Street Boys. Because I know they do the solo things, you know, throughout the year. But then once a year on Halloween, the Slash Street Boys get together and they do a Backstreet Boys parody. And it's always out, it always is better than the one before it. So I am looking forward. I am chomping at the bit to see this new one. So, uh, and if it's great, I'll definitely play it here on the Boochcast. And that was Leatherface with I Think My Chainsaw Sexy. Here on the Boochcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump right in to the recap of NXT from August 31st, 2021. That was, of course, this past Tuesday. And 
The show kicks off with the centerfold bitch herself, Mandy Rose, with Gigi Dolan and JC Jane in her corner versus Saray. Now, I'm not going to lie, this was a pretty decent match. I like to believe that Saray carried Mandy through this match, and if you watch it, it is oh so obvious that she did. I will say Mandy Rose did have her moments with a few moves, but it, it was obvious that Saray was carrying this match. I, I will say Mandy had a few moments, but not enough to make me a fan. I'm not even close to that fucking point yet. But uh, Saray did a hell of a job. And then, of course, in the end, they, she drop, they drop kicks her out of the ring. She starts clutching her face. Jay grabs a towel and gives it to Rose so she can cover her face. And then Dolan and Jane walk Rose up the ramp. Rose is counted out. The winner of the match, Saray. So NXT's already off to a dumb fucking start. I'm already not happy with this fucking show. So, like, this is your opening match. This is the opening bout, which usually in NXT is supposed to be a kick-ass match to set the tone for the rest of the show. And already I can feel NXT slowly losing its grip on the wrestling world. Like, this was fucking stupid. It was a waste of time. Mandy Rose in general is a waste of time. But now this is like some type of Eva Marie shit, and I have no idea what the fuck the point of this is. But on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Tommaso Ciampa, who says Dunn and his cronies put Timothy on the shelf after their attack last week. Ciampa says a motivated Ciampa is a scary Ciampa. So now we know Timothy Thatcher is officially on the shelf. He's out of action. Ciampa is walking alone, which I like. I don't hate Timothy Thatcher, but I like Tommaso Ciampa by himself, especially if DIY is not getting back together. But, of course, this begs the question. Is Ciampa going to wind up teaming up with Samoa Joe and Kyle O'Reilly and possibly that team getting together to take on uh, Pete Dunne's team in War Games? Is there a War Games faction starting to build here? And that's going to be the key thing to look for because they definitely are looking to stack the deck. So on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We have Duke Hudson versus Kyle O'Reilly. This was a great fucking match. I wish this match had opened the show. This should have opened the show. Why? Because it would have set the tone for the rest of the night and been a lot better than the stupid shit we saw in the beginning. Because both these men brought the fight. And the right person won. Kyle O'Reilly traps Hudson in a heel hook. Hudson taps out. Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. But what's great about it is Duke didn't just take the whole match lying down. As a big man, he was able to beat the fuck out of O'Reilly and O'Reilly, of course, clutching onto the taped ribs. Duke Hudson working the ribs, which was great psychology. Which is another reason why NXT is my favorite of all the wrestling brands. Because they use psychology. Say it with me, children. Psychology. So, great moments here. Awesome match. Uh, O'Reilly, in the end, managing to find a way to take care of it. And what was great about it was he used... Two rope-assisted dragon screws to fuck with Duke's leg before he locked in the heel hook. Which again, storytelling, psychology, working the leg, chopping down the leg, and then when he goes for the tap out, it makes fucking sense. That's psychology. That's storytelling. Little things like that 
can can create big moments. That's how fucking easy that is. But when you got dumbass, spot monkey, competition cheerleaders who overcomplicate shit by trying to do the best dive out of the ring, it takes away from how easy it is. Just tell a story. And you can get more done than the guy flip-flop flying and almost dying. And on that note, we move on to the next moment here. We got an in-ring segment with Iha Dragnov. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it's only because I can't fucking do it. Dragnov is showered with You Deserve It Chance. He says he's still standing. He just survived the biggest battle of his life. Dragunov says he likes it here, and the NXT Universe will see him again soon. Dragunov proclaims the ring general has fallen. Long live the czar. Long live the czar indeed. Uh, His match with Walter at NXT TakeOver 36 is the most talked about match on the show. Most people claim it was match of the night. Uh, I would second that notion. Uh, I will admit, I did as much as I enjoyed the, the three stages of Hell match, and as much as I enjoyed the main event, uh, this was definitely match of the night. It was brutal. It was old school British style wrestling, and it was fucking phenomenal. The tap out was a little weird, but overall, the match itself was fucking great, and the right guy won. Because Walter had been champion for an insane amount of time, and it was getting to the point where nobody cared anymore. So to see Dragunov win the title and be able to see what he could do with the UK title on NXT UK is great. I know we're going to see him again soon, but we're probably not going to see him often because the UK title is going to be defended in the UK. But if Dragunov, uh, if his title reign comes to an end and there's nothing left for him to do in the UK, they'll bring him to the States. And I'm sure here in the States, he will be a force to be reckoned with. And then, of course, we cut to uh, Kaylee Ray who says that she's here to dominate the NXT women's division. She says that everybody else is beneath her and all that other shit. And then, of course, and then of course, um, you know, it, it was a blah, 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 heel one-on-one storyline. I'm here to dominate the, ro- the locker room. I'm capable of anything I want. So we'll see what Kaylee Ray brings to the table here in NXT. And on that note, we get to the backstage area with Carmelo Hayes. Who says he feels like a champion already since he has a golden ticket. Hayes says he may challenge for any of the titles. Electro walks in and said the North American Championship is going to go to Santos Escobar. The rest of Legado del Fantasma walks in. Escobar tells Hayes he's going to give him a pass this time. But the North American Championship is his to take. And then of course Carmelo's like, did he just threaten me? Yes, he did threaten you. But I look at it like this. Don't go for the North American Championship. I said this before in the previous segment, and I'll say it again. If you had the chance to fight for any title you want, it's not believable if you don't go for the NXT title. The only time Carmelo Hayes should have any reason to want to be North American Champion, it would be if Santos Escobar wins the NXT North American Championship, which I'm not 100% certain that he is going to do. There's no guarantee he's going to beat Isaiah Swerve Scott because I wouldn't take that belt off of him anytime soon because Hit Row is insanely over. I personally would not fuck up that faction anytime soon. Um, Unless you want Isaiah to go for the NXT Championship, he should not be losing that North American title anytime soon. So we'll see what happens, but either way, Carmelo and Santos would be a great rivalry regardless. And... On that note, 
We will move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. We have Imperium versus Grayson Waller and Drake Maverick. Waller tags himself in and is quickly pinned after eating the European bomb. So, no, we are not going to call it that. This was another waste of time. Why the fuck are we here? Oh, right. We have to make Imperium look dominant because the Mott is sacred. Uh, am I the only one that's sick of this fucking group already? I mean, look, unless Walter's going to come to NXT full-time and we're going to have a four-man team and you guys are going to dominate the way the Undisputed Era did, there's no reason for us to see this fucking team anymore. There isn't. Unless you're going to be a four-man group and dominate NXT in the States the way you did the UK, there is no fucking reason for you guys to be here. Now, with the Undisputed Era no longer in existence, we do need a team to fill that void. Granted, Ridge Holland, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch are already doing that, but if Imperium wants to be that team, go ahead. But if you're not going to have the whole team here in the States, send them back to the UK and let's end it. I'm not impressed with Imperium. And on that note, we go to the backstage area with Indy Hartwell, who asked Johnny Gargano to give Dexter Loomis a chance, because obviously, you know, Indy's in love with Dexter, and, you know, Johnny decides to see if he can give him a shot. And we see that in the next upcoming match of the evening, we have L.A. Knight versus Johnny Gargano with Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. This is a pretty decent match. Both these guys know how to work, so it was definitely a match worth seeing. Uh, I do kind of like the fact that um, towards the end, um, Loomis kind of holds his hand out for Gargano, and Gargano has no idea what to do, so he starts to reach for Loomis to acknowledge him, like kind of you know, give him a high five, shake his hand, say, all right, you're in the group, but then Knight grabs him, hits the BTF for the win, so LA Knight gets the victory, and then... Johnny Gargano is knocked out, and Indy Hartwell's in shock, and Dexter Loomis' eyes have a... He has that look in his eyes like, oh my god, I fucked this up. So now we're going to see if this coming week on NXT, this causes more tension between Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Maybe Dexter might do more to prove himself to Johnny so that he can be worthy of Indy Hartwell's hand in marriage. I think something's going to happen on this Tuesday's episode that might let Johnny give his blessing. Because I feel like um, in the, with the way being the way it is, <laughs> no pun intended, um, they could use more people in their faction. And I think Dexter Loomis would be a great addition to the faction, uh, you know, and have like him and Johnny Gargano kind of bury the hatchet because they both care about Indy Hartwell. Kind of like, you know, a father uh, accepting the husband as a son-in-law. And they kind of shake hands and go, okay, we're family, we're blood, you're welcomed in now. So I look forward to seeing how that happens. Then backstage, we see MSK asking Regal to let them give Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan a tag title match. Regal agrees. All I can say is I've never been more excited for Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan to get a tag title shot in my fucking life. And I desperately, desperately want to see them win. You guys already know how I feel about MSK. If you don't, I'll tell you right now. They're spot monkey assholes. And they're basically AEW wrestlers in an NXT ring, and it makes me puke. I want to puke. Don't get me wrong, I love AEW, just not the spot monkey bullshit. And that's what MSK does, and I hate it. It's garbage. So, obviously, uh, JC and Gigi Dolan aren't taking Mandy Rose's loss lightly. Because uh, apparently backstage, they attacked Saray and beat the shit out of her. Which, um, I guess, makes sense. I don't know if this is a rivalry going to continue or whatever, but... Uh, to me, it was fucking dumb and a waste of time. The whole thing's a waste of time. But 
On that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have, if we want to call it that, Raquel Gonzalez versus Jesse Kamea with Frankie Monet and Robert Stone. And the answer is once again, no, we're not going to call this a match. We're going to call this a why the fuck are you wasting our time? This is basically Raquel Gonzalez beating the shit out of Kamea, tossing around the ring, doing the big boot. The only real big moment in the match was Kamea snapping Gonzalez's leg against the top rope and then tries to work over Gonzalez's leg, but she explodes off the rope with a clothesline and hits the powerbomb for the win. So Jesse did get some decent offense in, but not enough to really make me go, yay, she could win. No. I already knew as the NXT Women's Champion, she's going to win. She has to look strong, especially when she has that inevitable match with Frankie Monet, which I hope leads to Frankie winning the title because no one else seems to be able to take on Raquel. Then we cut to the backstage area with Ember Moon, who complains about Kaylee Ray mentioning her name when saying that there were people who aren't worthy. Moon says she wants to shut Ray up permanently and she doesn't keep her name out of her mouth. So... Obviously, we're going to see a feud eventually between Ember Moon and Kaylee Ray, which I guess needs to happen so we can kill some time. That's all I'm seeing here. And next, we have a sit-down interview with Wade Barrett. Samoa Joe says he's going to reestablish the precedent of what it means to be NXT champion. Joe wasn't 100% going into the match, but he had a mission and he accomplished it. Joe's third reign as NXT champion has made him understand the importance of legacy. Because obviously, he knows the legacy of the NXT championship. He's going to carry that belt with honor as well he should. And I, for one, look forward to seeing what happens when Samoa Joe has his next challenger, whoever it may be. I don't know if he's going to have a challenger for a while. I have a, I have a strong feeling we're going to see him in a War Games match. But even if we don't, whoever the challenger will be is going to be great. But I don't see Joe losing the title anytime soon. That's why I'm a little nervous about him facing any of those three guys, Pete Dunne, L.A. Knight, or Kyle O'Reilly, because any of one of them could be NXT champion at this point, and all three are worthy. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Roderick Strong versus Eichmann Jiro. And, of course, Roderick Strong is the diamond mine in his corner. Um, this was... Actually, a pretty good match. At first, I wasn't a big fan of Eichmann Jiro. I thought he was just a stupid joke guy. He kind of reminds me of that dude in uh, Thailand uh, in Travels with My Father when um, m- when uh, Jack and uh, Mike Whitehall uh, went to uh, this weird art exhibit, and there was this guy there that was like a performance artist who painted, did physical art, used to be a policeman. The guy was fucking weird. Jiro kind of looks like that. He looks and acts like that. But anyway, Strong does his backbreaker moves, hits an end of heartache, which also looks like the lumbar check uh, for the win. Roger Strong gets the victory, and after the match, he says he's coming for Kushida and the Cruiserweight title. As well he should, because I am sick of seeing Kushida with the belt. He's not doing anything special with it. He's not anything special to watch. It's just more Strong-style bullshit, and I want to see a real man with that title, and Roger Strong is that real man i am hoping very soon we get this belt off of him and on that and on this and on to roderick strong and on that note we move on to the main event of the evening we have ridge holland with pete dunn danny birch and oni lorkin versus tommaso champa this was a great main event violent hard-hitting and emotional champa was fired up showing how angry he was 
Ridge Holland, no slouch in the ring. These guys really brought the fight to each other and were ready to fucking kill. And in the end, Ciampa hits the Willow's Bell out of nowhere, gets the one, two, three, and Ciampa wins the match. After the match, everyone attacks Ciampa, and MSK makes the save. So that's why I have a feeling MSK might be involved in the war games somehow. Because I don't really think they're going to put uh, Samoa Joe in the war game situation. But Kyle O'Reilly was attacked by Ridge Holland. So I could see it being Ridge Holland, Pete Dunne, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan versus Tommaso Ciampa, Kyle O'Reilly, and MSK in the war games. That is something I could see happening. They're going to be building to something. Because it looks like it's going to be three-on-three three in a situation at some point. And I feel like Kyle O'Reilly might be the fourth guy to watch their back. Because, yeah, Kyle O'Reilly had the match with Duke Hudson, but really his focus is going to be Ridge Holland because of his ribs. So I do foresee a four-on-four situation happening here, especially with Timothy Thatcher being on the shelf. But either way, kick-ass main event. Both guys deserve a round of applause for their kick-ass efforts. And this storyline's getting good. My only complaint is MSK has to be involved. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of NXT. I thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys like the fact that I gave you all a double feature here. I wanted to get all caught up. I apologize if I sound really tired. It's just because I have been working hard like a motherfucker. I've been trying to get a lot of things done uh, in work and in life, and it's been stressful. But at the time that you're listening to this, or at the time that I'm recording this, I should say, it is 10.05 p.m. on Thursday. You guys are listening to this late Thursday night, early Friday morning. By the time you're listening to this, I will be in Jacksonville, Florida for Labor Day weekend, spending time with my family. I'm going to visit my dad, and I'm also getting the fuck out of Georgia because I need to clear my fucking head. I have been stressed the fuck out, and the booch needs to get away. So make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site. Follow us there. Or if you want to be a super fan, follow us on all four sites. Check out the show. Also, make sure you guys like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content for you guys to check out in addition. So make sure you like us on Facebook. Get everything you need there. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos that we post on there. You guys will love the content. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you guys check out all the great content that we have there, including our Boochcast reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, uh, our watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits, holiday stuff, everything you need right there on that page. Make sure you guys enjoy it. Uh, check it all out. Hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when new content will be uploaded. We're going to have new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring coming very soon. We just recently recorded The Collision in Korea, so that's still in the process of being edited. We still got a few more videos we have to work on, but our goal is to get them out there as soon as possible. We were going to work on them Labor Day weekend, but when I got the opportunity to go spend time with family in Jacksonville, that postponed a few things. So our goal is to hopefully get the videos out as soon as possible, but we may or may not meet the deadline that we wanted to meet regarding uh, the second half of Dark Side of the Ring. But either way, we're going to get those videos out to you guys as soon as possible. So Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, coming very soon. New episodes. Check them out.
Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. I believe the SummerSlam one is still up there. If it's not, then expect it to be archived on the YouTube channel very soon. But we did do a one for WWE SummerSlam. Our next wrestling watch party will be Sunday, November the 21st for WWE Survivor Series. So make sure you follow us on Twitch now to check that out. And next month, we will be putting together our Boochcast D&D show. Uh, we, like I said, we've, had a, we've been working out the kinks, trying to get everything ready. We got a big surprise in the works. Uh, when I'm finally able to reveal it to you guys, it will blow your fucking minds. You will love it. Uh, basically, once John is back from the wedding and the honeymoon and everything else, we will be able to get this up and running. So make sure you guys are ready for some D&D action. Coming next month. Date to be announced soon here on the Boochcast. Follow us on Twitch. And finally, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the show. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Um, we got three different levels you guys can contribute at. Our first level is you can donate for 99 cents per month. That's right. If you don't have a lot of money and you don't want to break the bank, we would never ask you to break the bank. But if you want to contribute to the show, 99 cents, that's all you got to give us a month and you can help us grow this show. Also, if you got some extra spending cash, you can go to the next level, which is $4.99 per month. The same price you would pay for a Peacock subscription. You can support the Boochcast. I know a lot of you guys aren't fans of the Peacock. So rather than give them money, give us the money. We give out better content anyway. And of course, you can also donate at the final level, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States you can now put towards the Boochcast because now you got nowhere to put the nine ninety nine because the network's no longer available to us. So take that vacant nine ninety nine and bring it over here. We got better content than the network anyway. You can pay with a credit card or with GPay. It's your choice. And the money you donate to the show helps us grow this show and make it successful for you guys. That's where the money goes. It goes to upgrade the equipment. It goes to bring in bigger name guests. It goes towards paying the bills and also allows me to take care of my guys, my co-hosts, my brothers who work very, very hard behind the scenes and on the air to make this show great for you guys. So if you feel like these guys work hard and deserve to be paid for their hard work, I couldn't agree more. So anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support is how you can help make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.